Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Twice a month, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. We've got a great guest with us today, Dr. Sarah Malterer, Vice Chair of Pediatrics, Director of the Pediatric Residency Program, and serves in the Division of Pediatric Hospital Medicine at the University of Louisville School of Medicine and Norton Children's Hospital. Welcome, Sarah. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Our appetizer for today, feedback. Our learners have lots of complaints about feedback. There's just so many problems with it. It seems like it's almost an insurmountable thing for us to fix. But you actually thought about this, studied this, and even gave a Grand Rounds presentation about this a couple of years ago. Isn't good feedback easy? So like if you're the learner with me today, I'm going to tell you, that was just great. The way you put that together and synthesized the case, that was absolutely terrific. You were acting like someone a year beyond your training. That's easy. It's the constructive, more negative, I need to help you think about this feedback. That's what's really hard, right? Problems with feedback are on both the delivering end, but also on the receiving end. In terms of feedback delivery, the most common constructive feedback, I suppose, um, that we hear (laughs) about that process is that it is too vague. It is not about a specific behavior. And so it isn't particularly actionable. On the receiving end, oftentimes feedback is heard on a very personal level rather than hearing feedback about a specific behavior or hearing that feedback is something actionable and changing, people often hear feedback as a personal referendum on themselves. People focus on their desire to perform as opposed to their desire to learn and grow. And so that often causes trouble on the receiving end of feedback. They've actually done studies where they've hooked people up to a functional MRI while they were receiving feedback. And they actually have noted a fight or flight response in the amygdala to the part of the brain that really manages your response to threats. This is a physiologic phenomenon, not just a a psychological one. So that can be something that's really challenging to overcome. If I were to change feedback, one of the biggest changes that we can make is refocusing our culture from a fixed mindset to more of a growth mindset to really promote the idea of learning and growing, promoting the idea that if you have something to improve, that doesn't mean that you're a bad doctor, that you're a bad medical student, that you're a bad trainee. It just means that you have more work to do to learn and grow, which we all do, even some of our most experienced experts. The ultimate goal of feedback is to improve performance. Maybe the main course for today should be about providing a growth mindset culture around feedback, where feedback is the norm, where feedback is accepted, where feedback is expected, because we all know that we all are on a continuum of learning. One of the first things that we can do as faculty feedback providers is model the behavior that we want to see in our trainees, which means we have to establish a positive learning climate and set the stage that we're willing to receive feedback on our performance. Oh, wait a minute. Now the, the faculty have to receive feedback from the learner? Yes, no. we do. No, come on. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, I give you feedback all the time. I know, I know. 
But really, you know, again, it comes down to establishing the type of climate where there's a bi-directional communication. Again, showing that we're willing to receive feedback as well. Showing that we will praise effort and not necessarily perfection. We can acknowledge our own mistakes. Um, And I actually saw a really interesting article where a faculty physician member, actually this was at a national workshop, they kept what they call their CV of failures. So all the times where they didn't do something correctly or they had something that they needed to work on and they were able to show the trainee that they were able to take that, respond, and become a successful physician first tip that I would give is start by role modeling that behavior as a feedback provider and normalizing this idea that we're not expecting you to be perfect. We're expecting learning and growth. And that's a normal part of your trajectory as a trainee. Practices from other disciplines outside of medical education that can really help us deliver feedback in a better way. And so one of the most classic examples would be in athletics or in musician training. So often athletes, experienced musicians have coaches throughout their entire career. It's a very normal part of those cultures that you're expected to receive criticism. You're expected to receive feedback and opportunities for growth. There are also lots of observations over time. So another tip would be to make sure that you are observing behaviors in a lot of different environments. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same feedback provider who is always observing a learner. So for example, with a medical student, it can be a senior resident, it can be a hospitalist, it can be a fellow. The more observations that you can accrue, the more likely the feedback receiver is to feel that that feedback is valid. Something we don't normally do as a routine in the academic environment because of time constraints and patient volumes is observe multiple behaviors. You might have three students and two or three residents on your team, and how do you then observe enough of those in a given week that you're on the hospital service. So the parallel in the music world that you brought up would be a music teacher has a student who goes in another room, plays a song, and comes back in and tells the teacher how he did or she did. How good could the feedback be from the musician teacher if they didn't even hear the performance? And so I think that's the one as a musician that really struck me the most that boy, I need to observe my learners more directly. And that way I have some credibility when I provide that feedback. I actually saw you do or not do this, and hopefully it could be received better. You know, one other key difference between sports and and music that I think is a really interesting difference or departure from medical education is that your coach, the person providing that feedback, isn't the same person who ultimately determines if you win the game or if you win the competition. Whereas in medical education, very often the person providing the feedback is also the same person that's going to evaluate you at the end of a rotation or provide that more summative assessment, which is very important for a lot of trainees. Faculty departments who have the resources, establishing a program where the person doing some of these observations, providing the feedback is not necessarily the same person who is going to be completing that higher stakes evaluation. 
Feedback we know is most effective when it is consistent with a learner's goals and when the feedback is consistent with that learner's sense of self. Now, one interesting thing is that as physicians, we aren't always the best at <laughs> assessing ourselves. I think you're being generous. At assessing ourselves. <laughs> might be bad at it. Well, Trying to be very diplomatic, yeah. Dr. Rebele. <laughs> but we're not always the best at really, truly um, assessing. So really the best way to handle reflection is more of a guided reflection. And again, using very specific descriptions of actions, specific descriptions of behavior to help a learner see where there might be certain blind spots or certain areas that where they can improve that they might not necessarily assess themselves. So a process of guided reflection would be another tip for improving the feedback process. Let's shift gears and talk about the feedback recipients. So you must have residents who have received feedback from a faculty member, and, and you review that with them you know, twice a year as you need to, and you must have to counsel some of them about that feedback. What, what tips can you give about how recipients should view feedback? Not to focus on perfection and that eagerness to please, but really focus on the end goal of being an excellent physician and what is that going to take. You are not expected on your first day of intern year to be an expert level physician. There's obvious growth that's going to have to happen. And so one thing I try to do is really refocus our learners on that journey um, and that end goal and not expect perfection right away. So who should develop the plan for learning? the learner or the faculty member? For it to work the best, it should be a team effort. Getting back to our discussion about reflection is we're not always the best at coming up with those assessments on our own. It really is best when the learner and that faculty member can do that together. We've talked about leading engaged teams. And in leading engaged teams, one of the things that managers and leaders are asked to do is to really come alongside their employees, their staff, in uh, encouragement, in career development, in in asking for their opinion, and really it's a two-way dialogue. That's not the typical model we think of, but that's the way it works best at great institutions that have adopted these behaviors. Stacy has pointed out to me that, well, Jerry, that's a lot like education, where the teacher should come alongside the learner, and together they work on whatever gaps there are, making a plan. And so it sounds like these two things have converged for us in terms of employee engagement and now learner engagement. Does that resonate with you? Best practices and feedback come from other disciplines outside medical education. So it may come from primary and secondary education, from employee engagement, from the coaching model, model, (laughs) (laughs) from the coaching model, best practices in human resources and employee engagement, as you mentioned, is the appreciative inquiry. And so again, it's working with the employee or in our case, the learner having them identify the things that they do well, identify those their strengths, and really leverage those strengths to improve on the areas that they can improve upon. And that is considered a best practice, and that's certainly something that we can do in a guided way with our own learners. 
One of the other things we have to think about is what's the institution's role in the feedback culture and and developing this feedback culture. And one of the things that I know is an issue, especially in medical education, is, is providing that balance between letting them have that autonomy and providing supervision. How does that play into the whole feedback issue? If an institution promotes a culture of professional growth, that is going to trickle down to departments, to divisions, to training programs. And so I think the institution's role is extremely important. And again, the institution sets that stage that we want everyone to keep learning even our faculty, again, that's going to trickle down to our trainees. As far as supervision and autonomy as a residency program director, this is something (laughs) that I deal with very intimately. And certainly it is normal. It is typical for trainees that are earlier in their training process. They are going to need a lot of external guidance, and that is normal. But over time, as they professionally grow, you can then start sharing the guidance and keep moving until, you know, your trainees, and I tend to use residents a lot because that's where I work and live, they reach the point where they can be independent and can practice without that supervision. For institutions to, again, promote that growth and that transition as a normal, typical part of your professional process, that is something that can go a long way towards promoting a growth mindset for everyone and making feedback more part of the culture. So how do we do that? Is there a way that we can help promote this growth mindset for everyone, faculty, and our learners. The idea of continuous quality improvement. It's something that has really become the norm in terms of our clinical care, looking at data, identifying areas where we can improve, making those small changes, and then assessing the impact of that change. And if there's more room for improvement, you come up with a new thing to work on. And that cycle The model for improvement is something that we can use in our own performance as well, not just in in terms of clinical care. So again, promoting, normalizing that idea that we are looking for areas where we can improve, that we're willing to take steps, assess the impact of those steps, and then keep moving forward. And so again, I think in terms of medical education and hospitals and institutions that take care of patients, it's the same model when we're thinking about our professional performance and our professional growth. I think the other thing that perhaps we haven't talked about is promoting relationships, Uh, promoting relationships between faculty and learners, between institutions and faculty, because, you know, as we've mentioned so many times through our conversation today, it's a team effort. It's an alliance. This is something that we're working on together. And so the institution should promote those relationships that are comfortable and trusting, because that is only going to, again, promote that culture that is okay to not succeed at first. Mm -hmm. And So that psychological safety is obviously something that is really important to, again, for people to feel okay with making mistakes, being willing to make changes and keep learning and growing rather than being defeated by those mistakes. All right. What should we have for dessert today? 
There's a lot to unpack here. Oh, yeah. And, and there are many areas we have not touched on in relation to feedback. We have some resources online available in our SharePoint site. We have blog posts that relate to um, educators and their role and the importance of feedback and, and why it's hard, the amygdala hijack. All those things are covered in these resources. So we'd encourage our listeners to go to those resources, to the website and to our uh, SharePoint site, and take a look at those and refresh some of these ideas. I think... If we're all committed to being better at giving and receiving feedback, we will make UofL a great place to learn, work, and invest. And that should be our aligned, committed goal to get to that point. The uh, article that we were talking about today that was published in 2019 in Medical Teacher was called 12 Tips to Promote a Feedback Culture with a Growth Mindset. And I will provide the uh, citation in the show notes. Thanks for coming, Sarah. Thanks for having me. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Join us next time for more and come hungry.